Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Oh. My. God. This has been a tumultuous... We're not even at 24 hours yet. We're at, let's see, 12, 1, 13, 5, 18 hours since all of this crap broke? Holy smokes, my head is still spinning. I'm warm, I'm flush, I'm dehydrated. It's the Hoop Ball Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Dan Vespers, Ethan Noroff. Ethan, you actually recorded an entire episode of this show at about 9 or 10 this morning, and then the Lakers went on another flurry of signings, and so we got to do it all over again. Uh, you, you okay over there? Because I'm like, my eyes are rattling inside my head today. That's the nature of the beast, baby. And, you know, you started with an <laughs> oh, my God. And I think when Sir Mix- Mix-a-Lot was looking at Becky's butt, even he couldn't imagine something this glorious <laughs> and everything that's transpired, right? What did – so I want to know. So, I mean, you, you got to sit here and you got to see the Lakers and, and you got to realize that, yeah, there's no, there's no Kawhi Leonard in place. And, yeah, there's a bit of a, a shock of the, to the system. But at the same time, they had a clear – executable logical plan b and they wasted absolutely no time in filling that roster out the roster's 13 deep after everybody's talking about for the last three weeks where are they going to get the players how are they going to fill out the roster even with Kawhi leonard blah 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 blah. guess what 13 players you're just about done can i i want to start the show uh before we even get into the chronology of the madness and before we even get into who we are and where you can follow us and why you should subscribe and all that good stuff can I throw on my 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 uh, hat that's either going to get me destroyed on Twitter, beloved on Twitter, uh, conspiracy theory on Twitter? I, I have two, I have two idiotic theories that I uh, that I want to throw out into the open. Can I can I start the show with those? So you want to put on your everyday hat? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, okay. My, yeah, my everyday tinfoil. Um, okay, tinfoil hat theory number one is. Do you think LeBron James could have played harder last year and knew that the Lakers kind of needed a better draft pick more than they needed an early playoff exit? I know that this is like way late to be bringing this up, but I feel like the dude kind of knew he needed to take a year down. The reason I'm going to tell you no on that is simply because if that were really 
the theory we want to play out? Don't you think LeBron would have sat out more time? Don't you think the Lakers would have played a different style of basketball? Don't you think the Lakers would have tried to tank a little bit harder for less of a politically correct way to say it toward the end of the season? I mean, they were terrible. I just feel like they luck so hard into that fourth overall pick. That's a pick they should have never actually ever received in all that is practical and real. The Lakers really fell butt backwards into that. Yeah. So with that being said, I'm going to go with a hard no on that. Okay, I accept your premise on the pick. What about just the LeBron wanted to take some time off his legs premise? Sure. I mean, look, I think at a certain point in the Lakers season, LeBron sort of saw the forest for more than just the trees, if that makes sense. I think he took a look around and said, hey, this year is probably not the year. But I don't think that time was much before Christmas because remember when LeBron first went down, I believe it was a game against the Warriors, the Lakers were playing a good brand of basketball and they had something cooking. Yeah, that's true. They were the four seed at that point. Uh, okay, here's my other one that I think is going to get me killed. I am actually happy that the Lakers waited too long to get D'Angelo Russell. I'm going to get destroyed for that yeah. one, I think. But no. I'm I'm happier with what they no, have no. now than if they had not gotten Kawhi and then they were like, oh, no, and then it was D'Angelo and, like, I don't even know who. D'Angelo and KCP would have been basically the pairing no, probably at I, that point. I, I, don't, I don't think you're going to get killed for it because I think a lot of people not only agree with you, but they can understand the logic in what you're saying because the thing about the NBA and with max salaries – is you have guys who clearly outperform the max salary slot. That's what happens when you artificially limit how much income somebody can bring to the table. But what winds up happening as a result of that is because of the supply and demand curve and how it shifts in the NBA, you wind up with players not only at inflated salaries, but then ultimately on max deals who may not necessarily be truly deserving of what is considered a max deal, right? That's why the Supermax has been considered basically a death knell to some franchises and in some uh, examples like John Wall, right? That Supermax is really only reserved for like a handful of players. We're talking Kevin Durant before the injury. We're talking Kawhi Leonard, et cetera, et cetera, right? right? LeBron James in his prime. The level of player for the Supermax has to fit a certain criteria. And right now that criteria, the way that it's defined by the league, it's too wide, so you wind up having players who are eligible for it who shouldn't necessarily be eligible for it. But that's a conversation for a different day. Yes, it is. I think the D'Angelo, the D'Angelo Russell pursuit was more based on emotional nostalgia, for lack of a better phrase, more than anything else. Because if D'Angelo Russell had never worn the purple and gold, I don't think Lakers fans are clamoring for him in the way in which we saw during free agency and really before free agency even started. And it's not really a knock on D'Angelo, the player. It's more of just a knock on the situation, right? Because the Lakers, they really needed, if they were going to go the three-star route, they needed to pursue a third true superstar. And D'Angelo Russell, first-time all-star, does not fit that description right now. All right, well, so then we're both just going to get killed for it. That's fine. As long as we're, we, as long as we're together I mean, on this. <laughs> we... Look, look, look. If you identify as a member of the Lakers horde in any capacity on Twitter, you got to be prepared to get destroyed. So there's nothing new in that. Fair enough. Uh, this is the Hoop Ball Los Angeles Lakers podcast, formerly known as Ball In, Ball Out, but he's fully ball out at this point. He's a, he's a Pelican now, so that name is gone. Uh, at Ethan underscore Noroff, at e, uh, Dan Bespris, if you want to follow us on Twitter, at Hoop Ball Lakers is the Twitter handle. Please do, by the way, subscribe and rate and review. We haven't bugged many of you guys to rate and review the show. If you like what you're listening to, we'd love those five-star reviews. We want to try to push our way up the charts here. We're, we're, we've relaunched. Ethan, by the way, uh, 
I will, I'm, I wanted to do this on air as opposed to off air. You are crushing it here on the Lakers relaunch. Sweet guests, good information, and a great time to be doing a Lakers podcast. This is the last couple of weeks have been freaking nuts. The the content has been there. The support has obviously been in place from day one. Couldn't be more appreciative. And I just want to reiterate Dan's point. The feedback that we get on this podcast is incredibly helpful. We sit here, we do this, we make it for you guys, the listeners. So whether it's five stars, whether it's the review, whether it's both of them, you could drop us online on Twitter. But if you're going to take the time to drop us a line on Twitter, I do ask that you give it a rate and a review, please. It really does help. We read it all. So I'm, I'm big on the feedback piece, especially as a teacher, man. I got to throw that in there too, right, Dan? Yeah, that's right. I'm going to start calling you teach on this show. It's happening. Uh, the only way I, I'm okay I, with that. You should, you should be. It's a sweet nickname. The only way I think we can go through the events of the last 18 hours is chronologically because it's been crazy. And so... Uh, I think I'll just start with my experience last night. Then, uh, then we'll we'll bounce on over to yours, and we'll go through uh, the the resultant Lakers acquisitions as well. I was sitting on my couch in the living room. I had finally, basically, abandoned my computer at about ten thirty p.m. Pacific time. I finally was like, "Okay, we're good for the day," and I walked out to the living room and I set myself up with little. A little lemon sorbet, which I know sounds fancy, but I'm also lactose intolerant, so that's sort of my only choice in uh, freezing cold evening snacks. Um, I I, have, I was trying to get into uh, Stranger Things. <laughs> I know this is like very specific of what I was up to. Um, and then I got a text message from a buddy of mine who is a massive Clippers fan uh, with, <laughs> with the text, congrats on signing Jared Dudley and an animated gif of Kawhi Leonard nodding and smiling. And I thought, uh-oh. So I walked back over to my computer and the first thing I saw was the Paul George news, and I went, no. And I sort of pinched myself a little bit. You know, that moment where you're like, is this, is this real? Like, I got to click to make sure this is the real Woj account. And then I saw the Kawhi news right after that, and, uh, I mean, my jaw dropped because this is like, we're almost at midnight on the Pacific Coast, and my first thought was, two-thirds of the U.S. isn't even awake right now, and this craziness is going on, uh... And then I had to text all my other buddies that love the Clippers, including uh, Brandon Marcus, one of our our guys here at Hoopball, who I knew was asleep. He was, I think, in I think he's on Mountain Time or Central Time with the text, uh, "Wake up, you!" And then I I called him a, a nasty name. "Wake up, you bleep!" Check your notifications. And that was how I I saw the initial news last night. What was your experience? Because I know you were awake too. We were texting about it. Yeah, so I was definitely awake on the couch like you. Uh, but I was actually getting ready to uh, wind down a little bit. Uh, wife had just come home from a work experience. And, you know, I've been monitoring the news all day, got all the notifications turned on. And then basically out of nowhere, I actually thought it was as a result of the uh, seismic shifting we had here in Southern California. Our entire building was rocking as a result of that earthquake. Yeah, I hope everybody's and okay, by the way. Little, Shout out Southern California. Yeah, there. yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that, especially out in the Ridgecrest and Mojave Desert areas. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm sitting there and I thought I was getting a bunch of text messages or maybe notifications at once because sometimes, you know, self, cell phone towers get out of whack, this, that, the other. But no, it's, you know, it's Windhorst, it's Woj, it's Shams, it's Chris Haynes, who Chris Haynes, by the way, let's just quick shout out to Chris Haynes, mm-hmm. broke the Kawhi news. And he is a super plugged in dude, does not get the respect that he deserves in the media game. And that's about to change. So shout out to Chris Haynes on the Kawhi news. 
and just everything, just reading it in sequence, banners across my screen, sort of trying to determine if this was reality. Then, of course, the squad tech starts blowing up, all the boys since we've been together from the high school days and even before that in some cases, and you know everybody freaking out. And what uh, my best friend actually is a, uh, is a Clippers fan. And, man, he just was beside himself. I mean, he couldn't believe that it was real, and he still couldn't believe today that it's real. But it's real, it's spectacular, and it means a brand new era of basketball in Los Angeles. And I think a lot of Lakers fans right now are really asking the question of why did Kawhi spurn the Lakers for the Clippers? So, but- you know, this is a major loss. It, it's, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but did I want to, I want to almost be extra careful with the terms that we use here. Yeah, he did prefer the Clippers from the outset, but by all accounts, what we're seeing, and I know we're getting off the chronology here. One of the most recent things we saw was, look, if the Clippers didn't make a trade for another superstar by Sunday, he was going to be a Laker. Right. Look, there was a definite uh, deadline or timeline in place for the Clippers to make this happen, and they seemed to make magic out of thin air, which is something the Lakers tried to do all year, and they couldn't even do it with the guy named Magic on their staff for (laughs) most of the year, so go figure on that. But the reality is, right, Kawhi probably would have been a Laker if Paul George would have never been traded to the Clippers, but there are a lot of great ifs and conditionals in the NBA that would have made the league this or would have shaped the league to be that way. That never happened. And those stories are always going to exist. But at the end of the day, it's about what happened. And the Clippers got Kawhi because they traded for Paul George. You know, they were under a very clear directive and they went out and they made it happen. So all these people sitting here on Twitter, you know, saying Kawhi is going to be a Laker. It's a done deal on Reddit, on podcasts, on social media, on every, basically on every account that you went for, it was Lakers, it was Raptors, and there was no mention of the Clippers. And, very, very on-brand move for Kawhi to say, hey, Nike, Adidas, no, I'm going to go to New Balance, right? Hey, Lakers, Raptors, no, I'm going to go to the Clippers. And I think I just come back to the question of why did Kawhi choose the Clippers over the Lakers? This is a major win for the logo for the Clippers franchise, right? It's the best day in their franchise history. Kawhi Leonard right now, he hasn't played a single game for the Clippers. He's the best player they've ever had in franchise history. And if you have the opportunity to come home to Los Angeles, no matter what Kawhi Leonard did, and this is the key point for me, okay? No matter what Kawhi Leonard would have done in the purple and gold wearing a Lakers jersey, he would have never, ever been the best Laker of all time. There is nothing that he could do individually to achieve that status within a franchise that has had so much storied history, especially players that have spent the majority or the entirety of their careers with them. But for the Clippers, if Kawhi Leonard can win with the Clippers, not only will he own that team, he will own the franchise, they will build him a statue, and he will be revered in a way that no athlete really in Southern California has ever been when it comes to basketball outside of the Lakers, because it's been the Lakers are bust forever and ever and ever and now if Kawhi can win with the Clippers in terms of individual legacy which seems to be so important to him he passed up on 200 plus million with the Spurs he passed up on 190 million with the Raptors to take 140 million with the Clippers he talks about legacy and if that's the piece that matters to him then I have to think that angle was certainly something he considered in his decision making what of the the oh so <laughs> here's a, here's a side question. What do they do at Staples Center now when if the the Clippers start building statues? Do they have to take those down in between games like they do the banners? Like do you have to switch which well, team think, statues are up outside? I think by the time the Clippers are ready to start building statues, they may be playing in a different building. 
Yeah, you think it's still going to be Los Angeles? Yes, I do. Yeah, probably. Uh, what about the Paul George side of this thing? I, I, I'm he is not getting it's, the he's not getting the needling that I thought he would have gotten because uh, now he's basically demanded well, a trade twice in three years. Well, I think you make a good point on that, and I think that I think that he's getting a little bit of a pass in this particular situation in one particular way, and that's the Russ Westbrook factor, yeah, right? That, is that because really, is that, we can all sit here. No, I'm sorry. We, go, we yeah, please go ahead. Say, uh, I, I, have my, I have my rant coming in a minute. You please go ahead. Nah, I think we can all sit here and say, hey, you know, uh, he didn't want to play with Russ Westbrook. Maybe he saw the ceiling on the team. I, I kind of get it. I'm not willing to give him that pass because, look, you could have signed anywhere else or, or got your way anywhere else. You chose this destiny with yeah. the Thunder, called it unfinished business, the whole deal. And then you're like, ah, actually, I'm out, right? And look, I'm not knocking the decision. You want to go home too? Go for it. But you had that opportunity right in front of you, and you chose to pass on it. So I just kind of find it really odd. I just think it's a really odd sequence of events, and it seems like it sort of came up out of nowhere. But maybe that's just me. But in terms of the Paul George acquisition itself, I mean, if you go back for this Thunder franchise, now granted, look, they were basically, from all accounts, blindsided with this request, right? They had no idea this was coming. This was not the summer they anticipated. They were not getting prepared to rebuild. They yeah. were getting ready to contend. They right? just signed Mike Muscala. This was Muscala. what they were going to build forward with. <laughs> but if you, if uh, right, you signed Mike Muscala, you signed Alec Burks. Those aren't rebuilding moves, okay? Those those are Cavs West type of moves, and we're familiar with those on this podcast, obviously, okay. And so now if you look at what the Paul George trade has meant for the Oklahoma City franchise, can I just rewind this for a second? Because OKC took Serge Ibaka and turned him into Victor Oladipo and the pick that became DeMontis Sabonis. They turned around and took Oladipo and Sabonis and turned that into Paul George. And then took Paul George, turned around and made that SGA, Gallinari's expiring contract, five future first-round picks and two pick swaps. All for Serge freaking Ibaka. (laughs) That's kind of amazing. It is kind of amazing. And yet, and yet, if I'm the Thunder, I'd rather still have Paul George. You built your whole team around the construct that Russell Westbrook and Paul George were going to move forward together. Of course, you would rather have Paul George. But right now, at least this gives OKC some level of optionality that they did not have prior. And if they're truly considering moving off of that Russell Westbrook contract, I got destinations in mind for that already. Miami, San Antonio. Hello. How you doing? Okay. But if they're really prepared to go down that road, OKC can open up their options in a major way they probably never had anticipated. And the reality is in that market, they need to be locked into something great, not something very good. And Westbrook and George was never going to be great. It was only going to be very good. Here's my rant. I'm giving, uh, just like you, I'm I'm not giving Paul George a pass. And on top of that, I'm going to call him out, I think, for being rash and a little bit stupid in this whole thing. Because last year, you said it, the unfinished business stuff, the signing the extension, the first moment of free agency at a Nas concert at Russell Westbrook's place in Oklahoma City. That was nuts and idiotic. I mean, he was there with Russ for a full year. He watched the Westbrook show that first season. We've all seen it for years. Westbrook is not changing. He's not going to be the beta to someone else on a basketball team. He creates the floor for that team. He also creates the ceiling. So for Paul George to sign a four-year, 
$140 million extension and make it one year into that thing before someone comes along. And, you know, admittedly, Kawhi Leonard is not just something. He's, you know, top three player in the NBA says, hey, find your way to the Clippers and we can team up. And Paul George goes and requests a trade out of nowhere. That's garbage, man. If Anthony Davis is going to take crap for it, Paul George needs to take crap for it. I don't care that it was behind the scenes. That, to me, almost makes it worse. You know, he blindsided the team. Everybody saw the Anthony Davis thing coming. He switched to clutch sports like six months prior. We all saw the writing on the wall with that one. Uh, People are saying that he didn't demand a trade and that, you know, an opportunity presented itself to him. But like you said, he could have signed in L.A. the year before without demanding a trade. So poor foresight by Paul George. I don't care that he was respectful of the Oklahoma City front office. He just took that team and he blew them to smithereens. They have to go into rebuild mode now. Yeah, they got five picks, which is freaking awesome for a rebuild, but they're not a contender in the Western Conference anymore. I don't care how respectful you are. You took a team that thought it was going to be competing for a title, and you turned it into a team that's going, ah, crap, do we have to trade our other superstar away and just go to nothing and build it all up from the bottom again? Who cares how nice you are? You killed the team. He killed their team. Amen, brother. You're not getting any arguments from me on that. I mean, very type of, you know, selfish move, for lack of a better way to say it. And sometimes in life, it's okay to be selfish. But when you're in this specific context, it's really hard to defend. It feels like he just saw what he felt like a better opportunity and a desire to go home. And he forced his way there when he could have just walked his way there last year. I agree with you on that. And to connect the Paul George trade to the Lakers, the Clippers sat here. And if you want to paint it as, Traded, traded all of this for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I get it. Because if Kawhi Leonard wasn't coming without Paul George truly, I get that. But you just traded five first-round picks, future first-round picks, plus SGA, a sixth first-round pick, for Paul George, which is, by the way, the exact same package the Lakers gave up for Anthony Davis. Six first-round picks, three future first-round picks, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart. So if I'm the Lakers, I'm feeling a little bit better about my Anthony Davis trade today, (laughs) aren't you? I sure as hell am, and I agree the Clippers had to do it. I think the Lakers had to do it. you got to go get your superstar where you can. All I'm saying is if you're crushing Anthony Davis and you're saying that he and Rich Paul are ruining the league, you got to do the same thing to Paul George. I don't care that it was quiet. I don't care that it was less fanfare. It's got to be the same for both. It's got to be the same for both. I, I, I agree with you. Treat it through an equal lens. But I think the reality is the Lakers narrative is going to play into a major factor in the evaluation for most people because a lot of people, Laker, non-Lakers fans are going to say, oh, Paul George is the guy who prevented the Lakers from getting three superstars together, LeBron, AD, and Kawhi. He deserves more of like a hero's pass than sit here and be criticized. I think there are going to be people who come out and have that take. And you know what I'm going to do with that? I'm going to put that in my round filing bin. Do you know what that's called? It's called the trash. <laughs> yeah, you, the comment box, as my buddy Philip used to say. You can put it in the comment box. And then he held up one, one finger on one hand to me with it. Uh, yeah, just be consistent, people. It doesn't matter what you're doing, what the end game is here. If it's just your hatred of the Lakers, understand that both of these guys are are sort of blowing up uh, a franchise in and, the process. And, and look, if there's going to be a section of Lakers fans who sit here and tear Kawhi to shreds, don't do that. 
Don't don't be among those people because no matter what, he made his decision. Okay, he went to a team where he wanted to go. And the worst thing that you can do is commit financially and to a plan, to a vision, as we saw with OKC just now with Paul George and commit to that player who doesn't actually want to be there. So if Kawhi wanted to be a Clipper, let him go be a Clipper and enjoy this Lakers team because it's actually going to be pretty good, in my opinion. Yeah, the NBA is going to be sweet, man. (laughs) And, And it's. It's it's gonna and it's gonna be a fun season. There's never been parody like this in the NBA before. And the last thing for me on Kawhi before we get into all these Lakers signings, because literally two thirds of the team has been signed in the last 24 hours. Okay, the Kawhi trade, or the, excuse me, the Kawhi signing and the Paul George trade this is how fast my brain is moving in a flurry of all mm-hmm. these moves. I, I personally blame Alex Caruso. That's what sent me into overdrive. Yeah, baby. Okay? But if but if Kawhi signing. And Paul George's trade, neither of those moves is really possible without the Blake Griffin deal. Can we rewind back to that for a second? Because the Blake Griffin deal got Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris got all those additional assets. Oh, by the way, in that Blake Griffin deal, the Clippers also got the 12th overall pick. They used the 12th overall pick and two seconds to move up to get the 11th overall pick, which netted SGA, turned around and flipped all of that into Kawhi and Paul George. So I don't know if that was really the plan from day one. Jerry West is really, 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 really good at what he does. He's great. (laughs) But I don't know if he sat there and said, hey, we're going to sign Paul George or we're going to sign Blake Griffin. And ultimately, that's going to turn into Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Just watch. I don't think that's what came out of his mouth on that night. But the reality is that's what happened. That is what is called. That is what is called a sound investment. Jerry West is is he the greatest executive of all time? Brian Brian Windhorst today tweeted in what, in my opinion, was his greatest tweet in quite some time. The 2020 executive of the year race is going to be lit. (laughs) Yeah, I love that he used the term lit. Isn't that about eight years late on that one? Well, if you ask uh, my students, it just came around in the last two years and nobody above 17 is allowed to say it. So (laughs) sorry, Brian Windhorst. I don't know if you're going. Well, he should. I mean, he should. They should just give it to him right now. He should have added every year for like the last 15 years. How many franchises is he going to turn into championship contenders? Everyone he goes it's to. Ama- it's amazing to me that he turned Blake Griffin and this Clippers team that was capped at very good into Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and potential greatness. And I think it's just another reason why he should never be replaced as the logo. He's the logo, man. He should be. They need some sort of weird Jerry West businessman logo to throw on the front offices of every building now. NBA front office, double the logo. Uh, I, like you, by the way, I'm not irritated with Kawhi Leonard I, I uh you've probably seen my tweets and I said it on a podcast I never actually thought he was coming to the Lakers I thought he was going to the Raptors so I was wrong where I in where he was going but I was never all that uh set on him showing up in LA there was this very brief window uh where everybody started to say Lakers 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 and I and I started to say well I mean maybe if everybody's saying it but that's that's exactly it. The Kawhi Leonard pursuit didn't even feel tangible until really about a week or so ago. This entire offseason, I believe you and I both sat here on a podcast and said, hey, it doesn't really feel that real a few weeks ago because it didn't. And based on all of this misinformation, the Kawhi Leonard market in terms of the Lakers got so overblown that it got to a point of, oh, it's Kawhi or bust for the Lakers offseason. Or, oh, if the Lakers miss out on Kawhi, what are they going to do? I'm sorry, in the same offseason where the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis, 
Davis in the same offseason with Danny Green and DeMarcus Cousins and all these great names that we're going to get into. In this offseason, it was Kawhi or Bust. You're telling me LeBron James and Anthony Davis means nothing? Put that take where it belongs in the trash, man. There it is, the comment box. Um, all right, so that was that was phase one of late last night. And then, of course, you had to know the dominoes would start to fall at that point. We already knew that a bunch of guys were waiting on the Kawhi Leonard decision, most notably Danny Green, who very quickly, after the Kawhi-Paul George stuff broke, put out a video saying he was basically taking his talents to the Los Angeles Lakers. And in that moment, and then we found out he was getting two years, $30 million, which obviously is a lot of money, but, I mean, crap, Lakers had a ton to spend at that point. Uh, in that moment, I know a lot of Lakers fans were still smarting, but that was a really nice cushioning blow, as if to say they went out and they got their their number one backup guy, and Danny Green is, by all accounts, not Kawhi Leonard, but a perfect fit next to LeBron James. As role players go, you could not envision a better signing this offseason for the Lakers. So that, to me, uh, I started to feel a tiny bit better at that point, just about kind of the way things were going for LA. How was, what was your take when you saw the Danny Green video? Danny Green is elite at the things the Lakers need. Defending, shooting off of screens, uh, being in the right place at the right time. He is, he's such a cerebral player. When I saw two years, 30 million, like most Lakers fans, like most people, I said, hmm, that feels like a lot of money. But I've sat here throughout free agency and I've preached to people, please don't judge these signings in a vacuum, okay? Because that's not how free agency works and that's not how life works. So for the Lakers, if you sat here instead and watched Trevor Ariza get two years and $25 million from the Sacramento Kings, you knew that's where Danny Green's market was going to floor out. Right. They, you wasn't coming cheaper than that. These these asinine scenarios. Oh, Danny Green on, on the mid level, Danny Green on the room, Danny Green on the minimum. Stop with that stuff. So you knew Danny Green was going to get paid. And obviously, Danny Green didn't wait around in order to just take a discount unless the only scenario, in my opinion, would be, oh, if Kawhi had signed with the Lakers, maybe Danny Green comes on a discount. But other than that, this was his opportunity to get paid. So when you look at Danny Green, not only does he fit the structure of this team, but it's a two-year deal, which is in line with everything else that the Lakers have done. And on top of that, you have a player who can make an impact at both ends of the court without ever really having the ball in his hands. Mm -hmm. This is the type of signing that last season the Lakers should have been targeting and now makes so much sense. So, yes, $15 million a year in a vacuum feels like a lot of money. But the Lakers needed to spend the money. They had a huge hole at shooting guard. And I am very, very happy that to see that it's getting filled by somebody with the experience, not only in terms of skill set, but also in the moments. Because this team, everybody wants to criticize the age of this team. I'm sorry. This team right now is built for right now. It's built to maximize LeBron. And yes, we'll get to the post-LeBron era and the, the AD era eventually. But right now, these signings, these additions, this is all about maximizing LeBron's window to win. That's what it has to be about, right? Yep. And the, uh, the fact you mentioned it briefly there. Two-year deals. Almost all of these deals are one or two years because of that monster of a 2021 free agency class. So that was also in mind. They're going to have a lot of cap space coming back two years from now when all of the big names are back on the board. What about when you saw the KCP signing, two years, $16 million. What was your feeling when that one rolled in? Because mine was a little bit less excited than, than when I saw the Danny Green one. Okay, so just the last thing on Danny Green real quick, because I have to put it in there. 
the Dallas Mavs are still lurking. And, and I thought in order to beat the Dallas Mavs, that's the other thing, not only the Ariza floor, but the Mavs, right? Because they wanted Danny Green. There was no secret about that. So I thought the Lakers might even have to go maybe three years to get Danny Green, right? And to me, that would have been like, ooh, three years, 45 million. That feels like a big commitment. Mm-hmm. Two years, 30 million feels a lot smaller. Okay. Yeah. To put Danny Green's two year, $30 million deal into perspective, the last two seasons before this upcoming one, so from 2017 through 2019, the Lakers paid KCP $30 million. So when you look at it like that, it almost feels like Danny Green's on a bargain. Now, see, not in a vacuum. In context, (laughs) makes everything a little bit better. So that brings me to my good friend, KCP. Look, two years, $16 million to be the second string shooting guard, that feels like a much better price, right? $8 million a year. I don't know who else was getting him at $8 million a year, but I also saw somebody on Twitter, and forgive me because I just saw it in passing, so I don't remember who, but it was a response that basically said, you know, KCP feels like sort of like a luxury tax for having LeBron on your roster, and I thought that was well said, okay? But when you look at KCP over the last four years, this is a guy who in the summer of 2017, so two summers ago, rejected a five-year, $80 million deal from Detroit saying, hey, I'm going to bet on myself, and I think I can do better than this. Well, since that time, the two one-year contracts he signed with the Lakers prior and now the two-year $16 million deal, you're getting him for a total of four years at $46 million. And when you consider that Jordan Clarkson is on a four-year $50 million contract, does it sound a little bit better now? It does, but it just felt like a weird way to throw $8 million when you so desperately needed a point guard at that moment. Well, let me ask you this. What point guard there really was wasn't worth one left. spending $8 million on? Yeah, we, we missed all those guys. And that's kind of my... That's the one thing that's going to, I think, stick in my craw at the end of all of this is the can, long can I, wait. Can I, give, can, I, can I give you an option, though? Sure. Could the Lake could the Lakers have taken that eight million dollars and thrown an offer sheet at Delon Wright? I don't think it would have been enough to get him though. I don't think so either, and that's exactly why I think that they went the KCP route. I think it's a favor to keep the clutch connection strong, and I think it's honestly a favor for LeBron because he does have some chemistry with KCP. And look, KCP in that role, in a backup two role as an energy guy off the bench, because of course Danny Green is starting. Make no mistake about that. I think it's a better role for him, and I think people will look at him differently in that role, and I think he has value in that role because even on nights where his shot isn't falling, at least the effort is there defensively. Yeah, I mean, he'll be a very good backup shooting guard in the NBA, Um, and there really was. Frankly, there just weren't that many guys around that you could give the money to, and again, it's another two-year deal, so it's not going to hamstring you once there are decent free agents out there and you want the cap room uh, and like you said, there really weren't any point guards still floating around that were worth $8 million a year. It was just one that, and this is a silly thing to pick on, but I almost would have, I would have preferred to see some of the other signings get leaked first, like the Quinn Cook signing, the JaVale McGee signing. Uh, and these things all happened, I think that, uh, well, JaVale McGee happened last night. I think Quinn Cook was first thing this morning, if memory serves. And yes, it's, JaVale, I mean, JaVale McGee was just after KCP, and then Quinn Cook was the morning. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I know I'm splitting hairs on this thing, but I just I wish I would have seen some other signing first. Then boom, Lakers spend twenty three million dollars on their first and second string shooting guard, and still at that point, at that moment, had no point guards on the entire roster. And I'm like, oh my god, they're down to nine million dollars in cap space and a, and a, the the room exception, and this team has no point guard. What the hell are they well, going to do? 
Well, look, I mean, I, I hear you, but I think I was always in my head counting on Caruso coming back. I know that was a huge narrative. And at the time we're taping this podcast, Caruso is literally the number one trending topic in my area. It's incredible. Hell yeah. Over 20,000 20, tweets, right? This guy is just like a legend right now. The AC unit, did it get a little chilly in here? The great Caruso. The great Caruso. And, I love it so much. Yeah. That, thank, so look, thank God I, that's I, the I last mean, thing we get they, to talk about. They, they had the qualifying offer extended to him the entirety of this time. So I felt like at worst he was going to play on that qualifying offer. And at best they work out a one- or two-year deal that's, that's a little bit different. And I'm very happy to see that the two-year deal gives him some real money, puts some real money in his pocket. What a success story. Two-way player turning into a $5.5 million contract over mm-hmm. two years. That's a, that's a great pickup. And I know we're not going in perfect order right now, but that's a, that's a good keep for the Lakers. And I think it's, it is basically reemphasizes an important message about player development when it comes to G League, when it comes to two-way contracts, when it comes to agent relationships, zooming out a little bit. When all of those players at the table see a guy like that get rewarded and an organization investing in its own talent, there are guys who not only want to go there, but there are agents who want to funnel their clients there. There are there are players who take notice of that. It's it's really an important thing that doesn't get quite enough attention. One of those hidden basketball undertones, if you will. But I think it's an important thing for Lakers, especially on this team. And if you want to just, I mean, just to round out the point guard conversation because we've been talking about it, Quinn Cook, two years, $6 million, perfect signing. I mean, he's not a perfect player, but he's a perfect signing for this construct. Career almost 42% from deep, has proven that he can score in big moments, has experience with that Warriors team, and I think just really makes a lot of sense for the point guard position. Rajon Rondo, I know a lot of fans didn't want to see return, but he had he had success if not necessarily on court in terms of the numbers with AD and DeMarcus Cousins in New Orleans. He had success in that locker room, managing all those personalities. So I think there's something to be said for that. And LeBron seems to really respect him from that voice perspective. So there's a there's something there. But more importantly than that, let's not lose the forest for the trees. Rondo's on a minimum contract, guys. Come on. Yeah, Rondo is one that I am a little bit worried about. I, I, I'm I'm pretty pleased with a lot of the stuff as as you as you've heard and as everybody listening has heard so far i I love the danny green signing uh we're gonna get to the big men here in a moment but as long as we're we're taking a, a voyage into the point guard spot my greatest fear now as the roster currently sits is that rajon rondo is gonna get 25 to 30 minutes a game i know he's on the veteran minimum but that damn name is powerful and his teammates are gonna i'm sure push for him because he's the old guy but to me, he's the third-string point guard on this team right now. I-, I would rather see Caruso in the starting lineup for his defense or Cook in the starting lineup for his offense. Rondo doesn't have either of those abilities, and they don't need a passer in the first unit around LeBron and Anthony Davis and Danny Green. They need someone who can spread the floor a little bit. My perfect universe, the one that I'm hoping for, and this is me saying, please, Frank Vogel, I love when guys, by the way, take a year off and study, and that's what Vogel did last year. So I have a little bit of faith. Uh, I am praying that Frank Vogel gets in there and watches the tape and just sees the absolute turnstile that Rajon Rondo was defensively last year and says, okay, I've got your role figured out. You're coming in there with the bench unit when nobody's playing defense anyway, and we are just going to run. Run, run, run. Rondo, you get it and you fly. And I want fast break for seven or eight consecutive minutes, you know, from the four-minute mark of the first quarter to the eight-minute mark of the second. 
just run like freaking hell with KCP uh, and you got maybe some coups in there and maybe ADs back on the floor with him. Go nuts, dunks, whatever. I want you to beat your opponent by running them. And then we'll get the starters back in there. We'll calm it down a little bit. But if Rajon Rondo is asked to is asked to play with the starters and just gets torched on defense every time, I'm going to lose what's left of my hair. Male pattern baldness and Rajon Rondo starting unit are the two things that are going to make me go bald this year. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I think... Right now, I don't think the Lakers are signing Rajon Rondo to be the starting point guard in stone. In I fact, Rajon right. Rondo getting paid less than either Alex Crusoe or Quinn Cook. So True. if you're a subscriber to that theory, that actually puts you in good position. But regardless, it's a minimum contract. I'm not going to get so overworked by that, especially on a team with legitimate point guard depth and real aspirations. There were nights where Rondo played 12 minutes. There were nights where Rondo played 19 minutes. There were also nights where Rondo played 35 minutes. But the reality is this team didn't have this level of talent in terms of its depth last season or anyone prior to it. It's been a while. So I think that changes the dynamic. I hope you're right. I pray to the good Lord that you're right about how they, they set up this point guard rotation. I'm, I'm nervous that you're wrong, and I hope that you're right. Want to talk big men? I do, I do. And I especially want to talk about JaVale McGee and DeMarcus Cousins because that's not necessarily a combination that I thought the Lakers would bring in both. I thought it might have been an either-or situation, but now that they have both, I think it's really interesting. What's your take on it? We'll start with JaVale first because he came first, then we'll move on to the big man boogie. Okay, so that was that was the last one late last night before we all finally got to, to go Correct. to bed. And I felt like that one was expected. I mean, he provides them uh, a backup rim-protecting big man, a floor-running style big man, which actually makes a lot of sense with the Rajon Rondo signing, because you could throw him out there for lobs as well. He, you know, he fits along LeBron James for lobs. He's, he, you know, he fills that role on the Lakers. He's not going to bang with anybody. You know, he's, he's has that, that same kind of wiry build that AD, AD does. Maybe I think it JaVale might be like one inch taller or something like that. Um, but that one felt like it was going to happen. You know, I know he liked his time in LA. They gave him a lot of minutes, which Golden State didn't. I I think he had fun outside of the weird pneumonia stuff in the middle of the year. Uh, And I think he's another guy that if you deploy him right, that was a good signing. I mean, he's, there isn't a ton of rim protection in the NBA and the Lakers have two of them now. So I can't, I can't knock that one. And I love JaVale McGee as a, as a person as well. He's hilarious. Uh, His interviews are amazing and his fanny packs are also amazing. No doubt about it. And I think the JaVale McGee signing, I think LeBron had real chemistry with him last year too. So I think there's something to be said for that. And when you look at JaVale independently of DeMarcus, it also makes some sense because, look, Anthony Davis, as much as we all love him, he hasn't shown to be the most durable NBA player we've ever seen. So in the event that he has to miss some time for this or for that, if you can put Kuzma at the four and you can start JaVale at the five, I think the Lakers looked at that. But that was before DeMarcus Cousins entered the picture at $3.5 million. And even if you've got doubts about Boogie, and I've got some, that's hard to argue. Oh, my God. That's a fantastic deal. It's a fantastic deal. I'm not even worried about the fit right now. Uh, he and AD love each other. He and Rondo love each other. This is 
This is an all-upside play for the Lakers with Boogie because if he comes back healthy, I mean, remember what we were saying last year when the Warriors signed him for bargain level off of the Achilles thing? It was like, oh, great. The team with four superstars gets a potential fifth superstar? No one's talking about him like that. He's basically been written off completely, but almost every NBA player that talks about Achilles injuries says you need two years to find out what you're going to be on the other side of it. So he could end up being... Uh, slightly sub all. I mean, I'm not going to expect this, but there's a there's a world. What I, what do we put it at? Twenty thirty percent chance that he's like gets up near what he was before. Uh, and there's I would say a, a very high probability that he becomes a better than average center, which is another thing that's a pretty cool thing to have. He's going to be the guy that can bang with big dudes. He's also when healthy, and that's obviously the big if an awesome rebounder. He's a floor spacing big man, which is not my favorite thing that he does, but he can do it. Uh, I am all thumbs up on this one for the Lakers, especially at that price. I, I can't believe that they got him for that little money. Look, it's it's all about the price point. It was actually originally reported to be a minimum contract, which would have been really something. But even so, three and a half million is still three and a half million. Long term, the Lakers are going to be limited in what they can offer him should they choose to re-sign him beyond the season. But that's a conversation for much later. We don't have to get into that now. Look, DeMarcus Cousins comes with legitimate concern. Things aren't in the discount bin because they're premium items. It's because something has happened, right? So DeMarcus Cousins is there because there's concern about the Achilles. There's concern about the quad. He is a huge house of a man, and his lateral movement, especially in the playoffs, did look compromised at times. I get it. But the other side of that is he's still DeMarcus Cousins. He's still not even 30 years old, and he's still got something to prove. And we saw Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins enjoy success together in New Orleans, right? It feels like the Lakers and Pelicans have basically just swapped rosters at this point, by the way. <laughs> but they had success together in New Orleans. AD clearly recruited him, and mm-hmm. I think – Going back to that All-Star game, right? Remember Anthony Davis wore DeMarcus Cousins' jersey? I know it wasn't a good gesture, especially after he got hurt, but, like, come on, man. You don't just do that for some guy who you're friendly with on your team. You do that to somebody who means something to you, especially because it takes a name off of your jersey. So I think there is really something there. And when you look up and down now, no matter what the Lakers starters are on game one of the regular season, this isn't a team where I look up and down and say, hey, this is going to be the same starting lineup from game one through game 82. Not even because of injury or anything like that, just because of all the potential options. If they go smaller, it could make sense to start Kuzma at the four, AD at the five, maybe have Cousins and JaVale off the bench. It could make sense to start Cousins in some matchups, AD on the four and go bigger. It might make sense for JaVale to start one night if AD needs to take the night off, right? So you have options. And not only that, you have legitimate talent at backup positions. You have a second unit. You have the flexibility in theory during the season to make a move should one present itself. I just think the Lakers have done a much better job this offseason of having a plan B when Kawhi Leonard became a very clear plan A after the Anthony Davis pursuit again I can't reiterate this enough because Anthony Davis and LeBron James to pair those two together in the same offseason that's a major win all by itself you don't have to do anything else besides that the ability to do all these other things even though Kawhi was off the board I think you have to take the long view and really look at this Lakers and say man they've done a really good job and all these jokes about how the Lakers are going to fill out their roster well they've gone away and all of a sudden you're looking at a team that should win if everybody stays healthy 
all things considered, even in a competitive Western Conference, should win around 50 games and should be good enough to get in the dance. And this Western Conference, all you need to do is get in to have a shot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at this roster right now, and, uh, you know, I, I have to feel, I feel like I need to preface a lot of this with, yeah, it does sting that there's no third max guy on this roster, because that would have been, obviously, the plan A. Uh, but this is a top four team in the NBA, I think, right now. Wouldn't you say? If you're talking to Vegas, they certainly feel that way. Yeah, well, you know, L.A. teams are always going to get a little bit of a price knock. The Lakers tax is uh, quite real. I think I think to bring it home for me, this this is what the Lakers would need to do. The Lakers are at 13 roster spots right now. Okay, traditionally they've kept the 15th one open to have optionality. So that means one more guy on this team. If I were the Lakers, I would be looking at Jamichael Green and Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Avery Bradley. And of course, I'd be I'd be monitoring the buyout market, right? Andre Iguodala, if he becomes available, he is number one. It's not even close. It's not even close at that point. Yeah, you bring in a guy that you know can guard dudes Correct. like Paul George it's, and Kawhi it, Leonard. It's, it, it's not even close, absolutely. However, Kyle Korver, at this stage of his career, the Lakers already have Troy Daniels. They already have that catch-and-shoot guy. To me, that's duplicating a part that's already on the roster, and that's what we sat here and criticized the Lakers for last year, having too many overlapping parts. So that's out for me. But if you can give me a Jermichael Green, ideally it's Jermichael Green or Andre Iguodala with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson or Avery Bradley as backups. But if you add any one of those four guys, preferably in that order, I think this Lakers team really, really looks like a team that should compete. I have two thoughts. Number one, do you think Brian Windhorst is going to refer to the buyout market as lit also? I'm sure that he's going to refer to <laughs> things that are lit all season long. He's probably going to milk that one. I hope so. Uh, and then the other thing is, I was running through it in my mind while I was uh, taking an afternoon shower today. Uh, I-, I think that Boogie is going to be on that, uh, kind of on that Dirk. Um, and I got, I, I feel like people hear me say Dirk, and they're going to immediately jump to like, oh, they're going to run him, run him on the old man platform. That's not what I'm going for. I think he's going to be on the Dirk playing schedule per game, which was basically play like the first four minutes, something short, like a short burst right at the start of the game. You want rebounding out there to start. It's sort of an age-old thing. Uh, Then you get him off the floor. You slide AD up to the five. You bring in Kuzma because you want him running with LeBron James for at least some stretch early. And then you bring Boogie back in at like, I don't know, two-minute mark of the first quarter. Let him run about 10 minutes, eight, 10 minutes at that point, mostly with the second unit. And that's where he can really dominate some people if he's even remotely close to healthy and that way you get him in there with the starters he by the way he also keeps ad healthier over the course of the year it it really wouldn't surprise me if you saw a staggering of ad and cousins at times too right if you if you figure there there are 96 minutes between the power forward and center spot you have ad you have kuzma you have cousins and you have javel if ad kuzma and cousins all play 28 minutes right quick math that's 84 and that leaves 12 minutes for JaVale McGee. We've seen him in a role like that before, right? We've seen that from JaVale McGee before. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen or what should happen, but that's certainly a scenario. So I think people become too fixating or too fixated on who's starting, who's playing against who, second units, first units. It doesn't really matter. This team has the flexibility to match up against just about any other because they have the depth to do it. And that's just something they haven't had in a while. That's going to be a new component of this Lakers team that should work to their benefit. We're a pretty pragmatic group, I think, 
on this on this Lakers podcast. I think we don't get caught up in the in the hoopla too often. But I want to do one quick exercise that we didn't talk about before going on air, and that is Lakers and Clippers. You know, these these are the two teams that everyone's talking about today, and for good reason because they're the teams doing all the stuff today. By the way, Spurs signed uh, Marcus Morris today as well, so that that also happened. Um, and we just got a report while we were on air that the Warriors were trying to sign Alex Caruso uh, before the Lakers were able to bring him back. Ramona Shelburne dropping that little nugget. Um, hmm, Lakers, okay, Lakers to me, have a significant advantage at big man spots over the Clippers. If you're looking at the head-to-head battle right now, is that enough to get them past a very, very good Clippers team? Is Because, I mean, Boogie, Zubats, Battle, Anthony Davis versus whatever... I know AD has totally dominated Montrez Harrell in the past, depending on where you're trying to line these guys up. Uh, or I don't know, do you put AD against like Paul George? Are they both playing power forward in this situation? Is LeBron playing against Kawhi Leonard? Uh, the the one versus one battle, Pat Beverly is obviously better than whatever the Lakers could throw in at point guard. But Danny Green to me is better than the Clippers shooting guard option, which I think is Landry Shamit right now. Uh Let's call small forward and power forward a wash. Don't the Lakers have a, an advantage in two of the other three spots on the floor right now? Uh, yeah, but I think the but the Clippers still have you know the they still got Lou Williams off the bench, um, and they still got Kawhi Leonard who just won an NBA ch- title. But if you're asking me which pair of stars I'd rather have, even as good as Kawhi Leonard is, Paul George coming off two shoulder surgeries. By the way, I just want to mention that real quick. So if you're asking me on the pairing, I would still rather have AD and LeBron than Kawhi and Paul George. It's going to be close. I think the latest projections that I saw had the Lakers projected to win 46 and a half or 47 games and the Clippers were 47 and a half or 48. So mm. I think everybody sees it as it's pretty tight right now. All right. I think that's about it for today's show because basically my brain can't handle anything else. You got anything, any final thoughts before we put a bow on this one? It's just wild, man. I mean, I think the Lakers deserve credit. You got to see this in the right perspective, contextualize free agency in the offseason for what it was. The Lakers, look, if you sat here at the start of free agency before any of this stuff happened and you talked to Lakers fans and you said, hey, here's what we're looking at for free agency, basically. We're looking at we're going to be able to trade for Anthony Davis, right? Let's start there. Right. Let's go. Let's even go back before free agency. We're going to be able to trade for Anthony Davis. OK, that's that's a huge win by itself. Then on top of that, we're going to be able to sign Danny Green. OK, sounds even better Then beyond that. We're going to be able to uh, add to our depth because we kept Kyle Kuzma. We're going to sign DeMarcus Cousins. We're going to bring back KCP. We're going to re-sign JaVale. We're going to bring back Rondo on the minimum. We're going to upgrade the supporting cast because we have Troy Daniels instead of Lance Stevenson. We have Jared Dudley who can provide real on-court and off-court leadership. And we have Quinn Cook finally at point guard. And we brought back Caruso. I think most Lakers fans would have signed up for that, right? Hell yeah. Listen, I mean, this this is a very good plan B. Without question, I wish I, I do wish we had I do wish we had Kawhi though. <laughs> it, it, look, it, it's it's hard it's hard to miss what you never had. Very true. I think. Well, I mean, look, this. I think something we can all agree on is this NBA season is going to be amazing, and it needs to start now. I can't wait three months. It's already started. The off season is my season, baby. Let's go. <laughs> oh my God! Can we just okay? Thirty seconds here. How insane is this fantasy year going to be? 
this is going to be unpredictable. People are going to be picking based off of both logic and off of bias, and I think we're going to see some really scattered drafts as a result. Oh, I, I personally can't even wait to get into the mock room as early as next month. It's going to be nuts. I have no idea where anybody's going to go this year, and I can't wait to find out. Uh, Ethan, I don't know about you. I'm going to try to just not look at my computer for like eight minutes, see if I can make it that long, um, but I'm probably going to fail. Well, we'll try. If we could get a combined eight minutes, I think we still qualify for this award. Yes, four and four. Ethan Noroff, Dan Vespers, this is the Hoopball Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Please, as we said earlier in the show, take a moment, rate and review the show, subscribe, give us a holler on Twitter. Ethan underscore Noroff, Dan Vespers, Hoopball Lakers. Those are the Twitter handles there. This is a Hoopball and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. Could have used a little bit of that last night at 1230 in the morning with all of this nonsense madness madness going on uh we'll be back the next time something crazy happens can't imagine it's gonna be long so long everybody this has been a hoop ball presentation